Father, it's so hard sometimes to say hallelujah when we're lost and when we're lonely and when we're broken and when we're set apart. Jesus, that's why you came. You didn't come for the people who didn't need you. You came for those who, in their brokenness, were able to say, I need you, God. Thank you. You left the glory of the presence of your Heavenly Father. In love, you became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might find life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross. You offered your own life in our place so that we might become children of God. God, thank you for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. With openness, willingly say, Gigi, Papa, I need you. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you right now to forgive us our sins, for they are many. And we are so tempted, God, to be identified by our sin, by what's broken, by what's wrong, rather than by our true identity as children of God created in His image. People who have been gifted with salvation. So God, thank you that Jesus did what we could not do. Thank you that just simply by acknowledging that truth, that Christ died for my sin, God, that we can have that sin removed as far as the east is from the west. That we can be granted a brand new beginning. God, as we gather in worship today, relieve us, would you, of that heavy burden, certainly of our sins and and the sins that have been committed against us. But, But God, also of our propensity to find our identity in things which cannot save, in things which cannot heal. You and you alone are worthy of our praise. It's to you and you alone that we cry, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we're going to uh, open God's Word together. However, you, uh, however you find that today, um, you'll notice uh, old habits die hard after the COVID uh, uh, years uh, with no actual Bibles in the pews. They're starting to appear back in there. Um, I am always a fan of holding that in your hand. Uh, if you um, better receive God's Word through a phone or something like that, feel free to. Whip that out. If you don't have those with you, uh, we will actually project um, the scriptures, I believe, onto the screen. But we're going to start in the Old Testament. In a vision, God cast, what, 800 years before Jesus, 
of this banquet. Uh, same banquet that's mentioned we saw in our study of Revelation. At the very end of the Bible, this, this sweet image of the kingdom of God as people sitting in fellowship together before the Lord and before a meal. So in Isaiah, if I didn't say the scripture, I apologize. Isaiah 25, you open your Bible right in the middle, Psalms, and then you get into the major prophets right after that. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Um, in Isaiah 25, beginning at verse 6, God through Isaiah cast this vision. On this mountain, the Lord, you see those caps, Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. There's that word, Kath. Well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. Does that, stir, does that not stir your soul? He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord, Yahweh, has spoken. And it will be said on that day. Would you say it with me? Behold, This is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. The very Word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Now would you turn all the way over to the New Testament. We'll come back in a moment to our passage for the day. But uh, we're going to dive into the Apostle Paul for a second. Uh, That guy's deep. Uh, His words are challenging, but important. And uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from, from the law. You'll see where that comes in in just a moment. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to the righteousness of God, this righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, make no mistake, the Apostle Paul is saying, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not an us and them thing. All have sinned. And fallen short of God. And all are justified by His grace as a gift. As a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. The very word of God. Well, thank you, God. Pray with me, would you, God? Thank you so much for this incredible privilege. Anytime, anywhere, God, to come into your presence, be taught by your Holy Spirit through 
your word. We believe, God, that this is the very word of God. That's why we affirm it each time we read it. We believe this is your word to us. And we pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. God, we want to be a a fragrant aroma to you. Please receive us, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, in just a moment, I'll share with you our scripture for today. You can turn there right now. Uh, As uh, we go back to the Gospels, we've spent a lot of them in our discussion of neighbors and how to invite our neighbors uh, to become spiritual neighbors as well. We've been in the Gospel of Luke quite a bit. We'll be there again next week. But today we're in Luke chapter 14, and uh, we're going to pick it up right around verse 15. And verse 15, so as you're turning there, let me just say... um, Verse 15 uh, begins with this phrase, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things. So in other words, though we have a brief passage we're studying today, it's a part of a larger context. And that context begins way back at the beginning of chapter 14. Um, So what things prompted Jesus' parable? Let me just summarize those previous things. You would do well to just spend a day in each of these little segments here. In in this mystery that is Christ's understanding of every heart, he spoke to every heart in the room. And beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14, the things that prompted Jesus' parable was this invitation to be examined. The Pharisees invited Jesus to a meal, but the meal had a purpose. It wasn't just just to share uh, food together. The meal had a purpose. They wanted to test him to see if, if he would stumble, to see if he was who he said he was. Now, Jesus is not unaware of this, but... But it wasn't just an invitation to a meal. It was an invitation to be examined. And in that invitation, Jesus responds to the lawyers, to the Pharisees, to the legalists in the room. Right? He responds to them. But there weren't just legalists in the room. There was also an elephant in the room. Forgive me for using a modern phrase. There was this huge elephant in the room. Right there at the meal was a person in great suffering. In great suffering, right? And, and maybe, I'm, I'm now shooting from the hip here, maybe, maybe they were so used to his suffering that they didn't even notice it again. But Jesus did. Jesus noticed the man's suffering And so not only did Jesus respond to the legalists in the room, he also responds first to a person who is suffering. And and immediately their goal was reached. He did something that they could condemn him for. But there was also more going on. Jesus watched. They brought him there to examine him, but he was really examining them. While they were there and he watched, as so often happens as people struggled 
to sit in the places of power and influence and favor, right? So in the early verses of chapter 14, there's this huge struggle to be first, right? And, and so Jesus responds to the guests at the banquet as well. He, he says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. But then, I love it, in addition to all these things going on all at once, there also was an invitation to the resurrection. Jesus spoke and responded to the man who had invited him and all the beautiful and powerful people to be at his table. And, and, and Jesus, in return, gives an invitation to be at the resurrection where there are not all the beautiful and powerful people, but in fact the exact opposite. The broken and the lame and the deceased, right? So, so there's been this amazing thing going on, and, and Jesus has gone boom, boom, boom. He's spoken to each of the, of the inaccuracies and, and false motives in, in the room, and you've got to imagine that the tension had gotten pretty high in that room, right? One by one, he's challenging everybody at the table, right? And, and, and so how do, what do you do? Well, oftentimes when I'm in that situation, I crack a joke, right? I try and break the tension. Um, this, there was a gentleman at the table now picking up our passage who had a different strategy. A strategy, I believe, was to break the tension to find some common ground with this four different groups of people that were all sitting at the table together. And so, so he blurts out, and we're picking up our passage now at verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And, and doesn't that sound awesome? Could you affirm that? Could you affirm that blessed is everyone? I couldn't. Absolutely, right? In other words, God, thank you so much that at least we're going to all be there, right? We're going to be there. Uh, and, and, and I think, this is me now, I think in his attempt to find some common ground which they could all agree on to break the tension in the room, he actually brought Jesus to one of the most important parables here for you and me today. Right? So let me continue. But Jesus said to that man, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what's happening right there where he is at that moment. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, just a just a cultural point here real quick. What would happen? Remember that they did not have refrigeration. They did not have um, uh, banqueting companies. They did not have all those things. If you wanted to have a banquet, you had to plan for that thing. You had to slaughter the cows. You had to you had to prepare the food. So they would send out an invitation. People would say, "Yeah, I'll be there." They RSVP'd in our modern parlance, right? And 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 then you would judge how to prepare for that banquet based on the number of RSVs. 
that that happened. We just had this experience last evening at the celebration for the 50th anniversary, right? There are SVPs, right? And then, but 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 then here's where tension comes into the story, right? The 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 servant went out to say, now, okay, you RSVP'd, and now the banquet's ready. Come, right? Come, for everything. Is ready. The chairs are prepared, right? The food is there. The aged wine is there, right? All, all the things that are part of this banquet are ready. But they all, and, and those words just strike, strike me so much. They all alike began to make excuses. Now, Jesus, it's a parable. So, you know, it might be that, that he was picturing something in his mind, but but this is pretty extreme. Every single one of the guests who had RSVP'd, who had said they were coming, began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another one said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And as we read for you earlier, then the master of the house, now you can see why, huh? Became angry and said to his servant, I love this. He's angry, but he translates his anger into grace. Isn't this cool? Right? Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the cities. And bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. There is still room. There's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. That my house may be filled You see what Jesus is doing? Are you catching the larger vision? Right? And then he says this. For I tell you, none of those who were invited, who RSVP'd and then made excuses and didn't come, shall taste of my banquet, the very word of God. Mm. Wow. Well, are there some... Are there some... Faith lessons for us in this. Um, there are myriad faith lessons. As always, I invite you to drink deep of God's Word. Use the many tools that you've received over the years. Go deep because, because you can be taught by God. John 6. God wants to speak to you through His Word. But sometimes it's just helpful for other people just kinda, to kind of say, well, this is what God was showing me. Not to be all-inclusive, not to say this is the only thing that you'll see in that passage, but, but hopefully to open a couple more doors so that, so that you, can, you can enter into the passage with the Lord. Let me just note a couple things from this passage that were striking me. It's interesting, before I left on vacation, um, I, I prepared for this and had a, eight pages of notes and it was all set and, and ready to go and... Um, and then just in the simple meditation of the passage over the last three weeks, uh, it came out completely different. So I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And maybe um, someone needs just this little 
little step to help them enter into God's word. You know what is striking me powerfully in these last three days? Just because everything is ready, as God said, or the master of the banquet said, that doesn't mean that everyone is now ready. Right? Luke 14, 17 said, Come, for everything is now ready. And I would just note, everything is dependent on God's initiative. Right? God has made everything ready. But you don't understand, there's so many things that are keeping me from from stepping fully into what I see other people doing, uh, from stepping fully into this life of faith. God's Word says everything is ready, right? And everything is not based on circumstances around you. It's not based on you. It is it is based on Him, on God's initiative. We love, John wrote, because He first loved us. He took the initiative, right? God has taken the initiative. Everything is now ready. But that doesn't mean everyone is. Why? Why is that? I mean, well, because everyone is responsible for their own actions, right? Everyone has, well, uh, I, I, the note that the word, I'm, I'm playing with words in English. This is not original language stuff. I'm playing with English words, but to be responsible is to be responsible, right? And every single one of us is responsible, right? Jesus, Jesus, in a very clear passage in John 10 said that thief comes to kill and destroy. But I am come, he said, that you might have life and have it abundantly. God has prepared life for you. Everything is ready, but, but your response, what will you do? Right? And, and from our passage here, we can see clearly that, that you can either make excuses or respond to God's invitation, right? And, and every single one of us knows what this is like. Every single one of us has been in that situation where we were invited to something. We even planned on going. When we actually got there, we thought, oh, there are 50 things I could be doing right now. And, and we make excuses. And look at these excuses. These, are, these sound so good, right? Um, I bought a field, right? I must go out and see it. Really? Would you buy a field without seeing it? Now, I say that in our housing market, people all over the places are buying houses unseen. And many of them are paying for that, right? <laughs> paying for that. We visited, by the way, with Jessica Downing. Uh, her husband was working. Jason was working. But we visited with her, and she's doing well. She is absolutely the same beautiful person she was when she was our student ministries director here. She lives in Portland to three beautiful children, and the only way to buy a house in Portland is to jump on it the moment that it comes. So they saw a picture, said, we're in, right? And they bought, I don't even want to know how much that house costs in Portland. They bought it sight unseen, but 
but would you really would you really buy a field site? You know, so sounds sounds good. This is important. Oh, you bought a field. Therefore, yeah, blow me off, right? Uh, no, no. It sounds good, but but Jesus saw through it. How about how about the second one? I just bought five yoke of oxen. Five. I mean, this person's incredibly wealthy to have five yoke of oxen, right? And I must go and examine. You didn't you didn't examine those oxen before you bought them, right? You see the problem? You see the problem? Oh, come on, Dave. The last one's got to be real, right? I just, I just got married, right? I need to go examine my wife, right? What? Did you not know that you were going to... Remember, this is not like our culture, right? It was a long process. When you got engaged, you had to go prepare, prepare a place. Somewhere along the line, you either... Made something up, did something foolish, or or uh, are just trying to get out of going to this banquet. All that, that all keeps coming back to me. All of them made excuses, right? And they, that's exactly what they are. You can either make excuses or you can respond to God's invitation to go back to His story. You can either humble yourself. Or exalt yourself, right? But you can't, you can't exalt yourself and exalt God at the same time. You can't do both. So, so there's this critical aspect of this beautiful story that is dependent on response. It's dependent on what we do next, right? Now, let me just say for a second, in fairness, nobody, I'm going to say this blatantly, and you're going to say, what? No one is ever ready to meet God, right? No one's ever ready. Um, Paul says very clearly earlier in the passage we read in Romans 3, he said, no one is righteous, no, not one. Right. God is holy. God is righteous. Is any of us ever on our own ready to to meet God? No. Is any of us ready to come to that? You know, I'm making excuses for a lot of good reasons because I'm not ready yet to meet the master of the banquet. But don't miss this truth, beloved, right in the midst of this story. No one is ready to meet God, but God is always ready to meet you. He's the one who sent the invitation, right? He's the one who invited you to sup with Him, to commune with Him, to share table fellowship with Him. God has taken the initiative, right? And here's where our Romans verse comes in. Now the righteousness of God has been made manifest. Apart from legalism, right? Apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, right relationship, the righteousness of God, is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His initiative, by His grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God put Jesus forward to to propitiate, to be uh, uh, 
to redeem us through His own blood to be received by faith. So, so make no mistake, none of us is ready to meet God, but God has given us an amazing gift. And it's right relationships. It's righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith. So every single one of us here has been invited. Every single one of us here has been given this gift. But like so many times we've shared together, the critical aspect of a gift is the gift itself is not the redemption. The gift is when you open it, when you put your weight down on it, the meaning of faith, right? The gift must be received by faith. And, and in receiving it by faith, it becomes effective in your life. So what should we, what should we then do, right? Remember, we began with that incredible statement of Jesus Put in the mouth of the master of ceremonies there. Come. Come. For everything is now ready. What should we do? Let's stop making excuses, beloved. Right? Let's stop thinking of reasons why we can't do what Jesus has invited us to do. Let's. Just enter into that invitation and drink deep. Eat heartily the feast of God. Let's come to the table. You can see where this is going today. We have two tables for you to come to. This one is much more important. Right? Come to the table of God. Jesus in His in His last night with his beloved took the Passover meal, which is incredibly significant all by itself, but he took that that Passover meal and made it even more significant, made it even more beautiful, made it even more meaningful to us, right? And, And he took the bread and said, now this is my body, right? Feast on me. He took he took the cup and, and he said this this wine represents my blood shed for you, right? Uh, the life is in the blood and he gave his life for us, right? That whoever would risk and it is symbolic we're not cannibals. It is symbolic as we drink of this cup. We receive that forgiveness of sins in this amazing uh, contrast of of colors. The the red blood makes us white as snow, right? It cleanses us of all unrighteousness so that there is then a way for the unrighteous to stand before God. God, come to the table, even and especially if you're not ready. Do not wait until you're ready. Right? You'll never be ready. At some point, like like me and Lloyd Poole, back when there was a Lloyd Poole, standing on the high dive when there was a high dive at Lloyd Poole, 
all the way up there saying, what have I got myself into? Right? And, and the only thing that made me take that step of faith was I was too embarrassed to shinny down the ladder in front of all those kids, right? At some point, you're never ready. At some point, you've just got to take that step, right? And, and remember the truth from this passage. There's still room there. Oh, there can't be possibly. I have denied him so many times. There's still room. But, but you don't understand, Pastor Dave. I, I have messed up big time. There's no way. There's still room. There's still room. Come to the table. Now, I've read Leviticus, Pastor Dave. I've, I've seen that nothing impure, nothing, nothing um, broken, nothing deformed can stand before the holiness of God. You are absolutely right. That's why the Holy One stood before the holiness of God and made a way for you. And now, and now your brokenness does not preclude you because His wholeness accounts for your brokenness, right? So stop making excuses. Come to the table of the Lord. Symbolically, in a few moments, We'll invite you to do that. Some of you, that might be the most courageous thing you've ever done. To identify today as a follower of Jesus, as one who has said, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Incredible, incredible act of courage. Come to the table. But for many of us, we've taken that step. We went off the high dive. We... we, um, we have committed our life to Jesus. And now, now we're servants of the master of the banquet, right? And what did he tell his servants to do? He said, go, compel others, right? He first said, bring them in. The master said, you know, I brought everybody who was willing to come, right? And I'm struggling with this even as I'm saying it. Because there's several people in my life that are not going to be at this point, if I had to judge, which, praise God, I don't have to do, um, I would say, I don't think I'm going to see them in eternity. And they are important to me. right? But I'm more fearful of their response to me than I am of them living an eternity apart from Jesus. That doesn't make sense, even as I'm saying it, right? So many Things don't make sense. I'm more afraid of my dad's rejection than loving him enough to compel him to do what he needs to do at this season of life, right? I'm more afraid of my friend's rejection and some family's rejection than I am of grabbing them by the hair and saying, you have got to come to this banquet. You have got to come. I love you that much, right? So I'm exactly where you are today. But God's Word speaking to all of us, right? Come on up, worship team, if you would. God's Word is saying to us, you who have put your trust in me, look around you. 
Look at your family first. Then look at your friends. Look at your neighbors. Look at your enemies, right? And, and compel them to come as well. Because there's, there's still room for you. Praise God, right? But it's not just about you, beloved, right? It's about the banquet. And, and did you hear those last words that he said? Uh, right? I want my house to be full. So we live in this tension between God's initiative and our response. Um, but that tension is resolved in faith when we do what God's word invites us to do. There's still room for us, but there's also still room for others. Oh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never returns to you void. I do pray today in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would move through this room, granting courage to those like me standing on that high dive and wondering if we will survive physically, emotionally, spiritually this step of faith. But God, thank you that it's not about us. It's about you and what you have already done for us. And so, God, I just pray for boldness and courage for those who have not yet trusted you. God, allow us to say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. But I believe what your word says, that what I cannot do on my own, Jesus Christ has already done. And so, uh, God, with incomplete Understanding with incomplete wisdom and incomplete courage, I risk putting my weight down on what Jesus has done. I surrender my life to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And then, God, I ask for those of us who have been blessed for decades some, for minutes for some, for months for some, but been blessed to have taken that step and to have been filled with your Holy Spirit. As incomplete as our knowledge is, to know you at some level, I pray that you would give us the courage to go back out there to our families and to our neighbors, to our coworkers even to our enemies. And God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to compel them to come in. Not for our glory, not for our satisfaction, but the God that your house may be full. And God, I, I just look forward to that day when we stand with you in glory and, and see those people at the great banquet. Mm. We love you. May it be so, God. For we ask it in Jesus' name.